Well, hello, listeners. How are you all in these crazy COVID times? Yeah, international travel, very, very slight at the moment. Whitewater kayaking, very, very slight at the moment. But it is what it is, isn't it? Anyway, I'm not going to introduce myself because I've just gone straight into it. Boom! And you, but you know this. Go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes. You'll find out who I am and what you're listening to. But you can call me Darren or Daz or that annoying Yorkshire bloke who's rattling on for about 20 minutes, quarter of an hour, sometimes longer, sometimes less. Why am I speaking to you today? And why am I super excited? Well, there's no real reason, to be honest. Except I've just seen a picture that a friend sent me of his kids sat in a topo. And that sort of triggered sort of some memories and then some stories. <laughs> and I've been messaging him. And as you guys might know, I've got a broken phone and it's really hard to text. So I've said to do a podcast about memories and the importance of keeping these stories alive. Now, back in the late 90s, which, you know, is, you know, pre-digital native times, I remember going to the D uh, in Wales, the Welsh D, not the Royal D, and kayaking. And a friend of mine, who I've mentioned before in this podcast, Magic Tom, was doing a slideshow presentation. He was doing it in the Green Bank pub, if I remember correctly. Uh, I think PJ, who was an ex island paddler, and I think he had it at the time, and that's now, he's now got another pub, some Trevor, I believe. Anyhow, this slideshow that Magic Tom gave, there must have been 50 people squashed into this little back room of this pub. And as Tom spoke with passion about the rivers and a dud cosy, the Kolka, the Kotawasi, about the Ganga in India, and the carousel clicked from slide to slide, picture to picture, the audience was aghast in tales of daring do or swims, or what food they'd taken and how they got their boats to the river. You know, did they walk in? Did they put them on the back of mules? So on and so on. And I sat in that audience with Tom. And even though he was a good friend of mine, he's still a very good friend of mine, I was in awe of those stories. Now, like I say, this is a long time ago. This is 20 plus years ago. So the pub smelled of alcohol and stale fags, I imagine. Sweaty canoeists and kayakers crammed in. We remember those days before we were quarantined up in isolation and wearing masks, don't we, gang? And as I left that day, I think we stayed over in a, a bunkhouse just further up the A5. And if I remember right, my car got broken into and a down jacket got stolen. But that's a different story. What was important is that night, as I'm trying to sleep in the bunkhouse, and I'm replaying the stories that I've heard from Magic Tom, the excitement of those trips 
sort of echoed in my dreams. And it's inspired me to go off and do my own adventures. Now, years later, uh, after Tom had moved over to the US, like a dirty septic tank that he is, now, years later, I ended up meeting Tom in Kathmandu. And six of us journeyed to Lhasa in Tibet, onto the roof of the world, to paddle some first descents, to paddle some rivers that had been paddled, and generally have a, a jolly boy's trip out. I remember suffering terribly with altitude sickness in Lhasa, with a thumping headache and staggering to the bathroom at night and being violently sick and curling up in, like a, in a ball on the back seat of the truck. Yeah, I remember that. I remember missing the tourist stuff like the Dalai Lama's palace, the Ptala Palace. I remember missing that because I was too too ill to go and visit it. I remember walking on the Jokan. I remember the Chinese influence in Lhasa. And I really remember the rivers out there and camping on the side of, you know... Just outside the village in Nylon, for example. Remember all that. I remember the last must, must make ferries, and I remember surfing those waves. The wrong book too. I, just rivers that will stick there in my brain, in my brain, in my mind, for a long time. And slowly, as the trip moved on, we came back up over Friendship Bridge and into Nepal. Meeting again in the middle of Tamil, Matari Stixtrist at Kathmandu, where taxi horns beep and dogs bark until all hours. And we decided, in our wisdom, that we wouldn't use the flea pit hotels that we'd used in the past, like Hotel Star, that I've probably previously mentioned. And we decided to treat ourselves to a little bit of luxury. And we stayed in Kathmandu guest house. But we stayed in the older portion of the building that was cheap. So we settled in. Drinking chai in the garden. As early monsoon rains patter on the concrete outside. And on a night, we walked a few hundred yards left, past the ATM machine, past the hawkers, past the scammers and the swindlers. And we walk, turning right in, down an alleyway and up two flights of stairs. And just like we'd always done, we settled into a night in Tom and Jerry's bar. A, a bar famous for its drinking. I'm not a drinker, as most of you know. A bar famous for its drinking and its ready alcohol supply. But also a bar famous for who drank there. Internationally renowned climbers. Kayakers. Raft guides, tourists, trekkers, overland truck drivers. Anybody that had a story to tell could be found in that bar. 
On any one night from table to table you'd hear stories of crossing borders in Pakistan or illegal border crossings somewhere in Kenya or Zimbabwe and Zaire. You'd hear how people didn't have the yellow cards for the card for yellow fever and had managed to find somebody to offer them the jab on a creased certificate in a car park somewhere in some back street. You'd hear all these tales. As a guide, it's where you'd quite often get your day jobs. Through each sip of rum and coke, a trip leader would hand out chores. At seven o'clock, you're going to the Marcy Andy. For 5.30, I want you in the boathouse. No point you're going back to your hotel, you may as well keep drinking. We'll load, up, we'll, we'll load up the uh, boats at half past five, we'll meet the customers at seven. You ever done the Marcy Andy before? No, never. Right, it's okay. It's just like the Trisulli. Where people would buy trips even. They wouldn't go to the offices and buy trips. They'd speak to the guys directly and try and get a deal. Written on the walls of Tom and Jerry's bar were the names of people that drank there. There's a poster of Colin Hill in his kayak rolling record. There's pictures of Russian bublicks. There's broken paddles from Tullyberry trips or Humler trips. There's old kayaks pinned to the wall. Rum doodles have got the big Yeti footprints. Tom and Jerry's has got HF Serpent life jackets. It's got t-shirts, it's got dry tops pinned to the wall. It's got bar staff that pretend to remember your name and remember what you drink. And in the dark corner of that bar, next to the toilets that smell of piss, there was often an American kayaker. Didn't say much and his long greasy hair fell over his face. And when you saw him on the river, it was poetic. Not that you often saw him on the river, because he paddled solo a lot. And he was Russell Kelly. And it was a name that just echoed in that bar. And it was a name that came to mind today when I was talking to a friend. Russell paddled a prion rocket a lot. And soloed rivers around the world, sadly died in an accident. Not on the river in a car accident years later. But his influence shouldn't really be forgotten. The yellow sign on the Stikine. For quite a number of years it had a sticker on it. And that sticker read, Russell would go. In dirty bars and rafting camps with graffiti and pop culture art that same sticker appears Russell would go and I met him a few times and only in passing but his legacy sort of lives on I've got other friends I could mention in this podcast whose paddling styles and adventures influenced the sort of way I, I paddle and what I've done but that's not sort of super important, I don't think. I think it's cool and all that. 
and it's a very nice legacy. But it makes me think back to that, you know, talk that Magic Tom gave in Langothan on the banks of the Dee. And it makes me think to a trip that I did quite some time ago now. I got a message from a friend. Do you want to paddle to Chester? Now it's quite a long way from Long from you know down the Dee to Chester. Do you want to paddle down to Chester? And I'm sure those that care can work out how long it is. It's forty mile, I think, something like that. Especially from town, long gone from town, but my town falls. Friends message me, let's do it. We'll take open boats and we'll do it in one day. I don't really paddle open boat. But we set off. Three of us split over two boats, swapping and changing who paddles solo. With our picnic baskets full of sandwiches and lemonade like some Enid Blyton famous five, we set off. It's an early, early morning. We load those boats and we leave town for bottom of town falls. It's one of those mornings where, whilst you've been up for hours and you've arranged stuff and you've organized things, there's nobody in town. One of those mornings where the cloud is really low and it feels like you can hear all the little critters moving around in the dry leaves. And we set off at first light, dabbing in the strokes to get away from the sandbar bank. It's sort of sandbar gravel, isn't it? I'm being a bit poetic. Huh? And we set off, leaving the familiar surroundings of town as the river bends left and right going past Trevor Rocks famous for slaloms back in the day and we don't surf any waves but we do stop for coffee and we carry on going looking at the amazing architecture as we zigzag back and forth with the river and kingfishers dart left and right following us from some time just above water level. We counted 11 sightings that day. Now some would say that that's just one kingfisher all the way down. But me, I like to believe it's more than that. And in the three of us, we get to, we get to weirs and we scout weirs, lining as appropriate, paddling as appropriate. Stopping for sandwiches, stopping for coffee. Telling stories about how we got into adventure. And what adventure really means. And on that river and on that journey. The three of us. Whilst we all have unique experiences. We're all also connected by that adventure. Paddle stroke in, long strokes. Paddle stroke out as the water drips off the blade. And we paddle, sometimes in silence, sometimes talking. 
they switch left and right and soon sooner than we expected night falls and we're still not where we need to be at the takeout obviously we've planned for this and we have torches but we decide not to turn them on the low cloud has lifted during the day and as we paddle on past the industrial centres and road noise and back into fields again as the river winds and turns and meanders and the starry sky above in inky blackness illuminates our way it's amazing where the mind goes when shadows no longer there where light is very minimal and our conversation dies and all you can hear is a gentle gentle sliding of the boat as it makes its passage across the flat mill pond inky blackness water that reflects with the sky Ever so often a plane goes past, perhaps a UFO. The stars, we can see them. And soon enough, we get to our takeout in Chester. It's dark now, it's cold. The rain's setting in a little, but we pick our boats up and carry them to the car park. Where my two companions make a hasty retreat and go and sort the shuttle, pick up a vehicle, and I'm left guarding the boats, which is perfectly fine. Except just before they left, they told me that the car park was quite a famous dogging spot. And that's not what you need after a long paddle. I think we were paddling all together for just over 13 hours. But why have I told you this? Why am I reminiscing about a flat water trip with stillness about kingfishers? Why am I telling you? And I'm telling you because it's adventure and it's adventure that matters. And without telling these stories, people like Russell and what he did and his solo exploits would be lost in time. Because as kayakers, we don't document as much as we perhaps should. Climbers document all the time. You know. Walkers document a lot. Kayakers, we tend not to document perhaps as much as we should. Especially when it comes to what I'd call folk tales and clarification of myth and rumour. I'm urging you all to perhaps not plan your next trip now because that might lead to frustration, especially in lockdown and COVID times. But I'm urging you, when you can next get the chance, to go out in your canoe or your kayak, maybe your stand-up paddleboard. Go out. Go out anywhere you can and see the world afresh. See the world like a four-year-old. 
marvel at the way the leaves fluttered in the breeze. Marvel at the way that the birds migrate. Even that piece of trash that's stuck in that tree that you can't, you know, pick up and take home. Perhaps you need to wonder where that came from. The life of that plastic bag or chip wrapper. Where did it start its life? Where did it sort of ended now? How many hands has it passed through that could have recycled it? And now it's just a blot on the landscape. So again, I urge you to look at stuff like that. It's marvellous, isn't it, to look at things anew, look at things afresh, and also stay grounded. Again, thank you very much for listening. 20 odd minutes, it's alright. And not a single cup of coffee. I don't drink a lot of coffee. You guys know you can buy me a coffee if you want. There's a link somewhere to some sort of website that allows you to do that if that's what you want to do. And if not, I look forward to buying you one at some point when we can all meet up. Anyway, have a lovely time, gang, and I'll speak to you very soon.